Welcome to another episode of Unqualified. I am your host, Destiny Deal. Let's get started. Just kidding. I have an intro today, and I want you to get your heart and your spirit into a calm state in order to enjoy what I have in store for you for this episode. And I want you to know that you are fully known. And we are going to explore... Well, you know what? Just hold on to that one thought. Stay tuned. But before we get started in what I have in store for you... I have a disclaimer from the first episode. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Unqualified. I am your host, Destiny Deal. I do want to point out on the first episode, I definitely said I was at Winn-Dixie when I was like, I have to do something and Google something. Yeah, it was definitely Walgreens because when Dixie went out of business a long time ago, <laughs> you know, even Spot's upset. So the dogs are asleep right now. No one's coming home as long as the mailman or woman or, you know, male person doesn't show up. This should be a good episode uninterrupted. Let's do it. So today, I'm going to share the life of a very special person, Miss Billy Joyner. In the background, you hear her song being played at her funeral, which was on August 18th, 2020. Miss Billy was born October 17th, 1922. She lived to 97 years old. And she went to be with Father August 15th, 2020. I hope you enjoy the life of Miss Billy Joyner. I want to start off with how I met Miss Billy Joyner. And this is how we met. I do not remember. (laughs) Great. How are you supposed to explain the life of someone you don't even remember? That's the thing. She, her name was known to the church because, one, she was an elder, two, she was just that kind of person. She inspired everyone she came in contact with, and that's why I think it's very appropriate to share her life with the world. And there is some really awesome stories. I kind of want to save it you know and then there's there's two stories I can think of off the top of my head that are my favorites favorites is that a word (laughs) I don't think so that are my two favorite and one of them if there is a person a uh, what do they call them a screenwriter listening to this podcast this is the movie for you because this is a true story that happened It's got, I don't even want to ruin it, but it needs to be made into a movie because it is awesome. 
and that is how her husband how her and her husband got married that's the awesome story and it's it sounds like it's already a movie so i'm gonna save that one and then the second one i'm gonna go ahead and tell you after i tell you how i remember miss billy because like i said i don't remember much I first remember her on a mission trip. We would go, this church would go together um, in the summer for a week, every summer. They'd, we'd find a location, someplace that needs help. We'd all get on a bus and we'd go wherever. I've been to Arkansas. I've been to New York. I've been to Missouri. Uh, I think, I can't think of any other places, but that I know for sure I have been to those places. And... <laughs> I want to say my first one, I want to say was New York. And I want to say that's where I originally met Miss Billy. I'm not for certain. But I do just remember her. She was in the, so we would stay at a church that was sponsoring the new church to be built or what have you. And then we would go and find neighborhoods that were around it so that people could learn about the new church. And we would just find a playground, hang out with the kids, do some crafts. And these neighborhoods were usually run-down neighborhoods, and these kids really needed the love and attention that we gave them. And that is a big part of my life. And Miss Billy was there at that church before all of these things happened. So all the things that they did in the past led to the moments, the defining moments in my life that showed me the true, authentic love of God and purpose and all these things that are woven into that. And so she would, I remember her in the kitchen and let me tell you, we never went hungry that week because there was these ladies and they would cook the best food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm telling you, you did not go hungry. And she, I remember her in the kitchen, and I remember that smile. She was a very short lady. She probably came up to my shoulders. I'm about 5'6", so she was probably about 5 feet even. She might have even been a little lower than my shoulders. My head's not that big. I don't know. I think so. Well, my neck and my head. So anyway, I remember her smile. I remember her, her serving and her being there. And I, she was, she had to be in her 70s because she died at 97 for me that time frame in my life was about 15 years ago or so so her 70s 80s i don't know don't feel like doing math right now because i don't even know if that's correct but yes at least 13 15 years ago somewhere in that range so i mean i just remember this lady and she's still out there doing stuff has I mean she's had this whole life and she's still doing this and there's something to learn from that there's something to learn from someone you know in the past going through their entire life and still serving and showing the love of God and showing that it's important so that's another reason why I'm doing this because there's something to learn from 97 years of someone's life so I remember her smile I remember her service and I remember she wrote me on Facebook 
when I was stationed in Germany. I just got out of high school and went to boot camp. I literally got out of high school, had my last summer, went to boot camp in October, and then by February, I was 19 living in Germany. (laughs) And she sent me a letter on Facebook, or a letter I don't really remember. I'm pretty positive it's on Facebook, but I couldn't find it. I do remember, I did find a message where I said, thank you for writing that. I just now saw this. But I think that old face, I think that was old Facebook of hers or something. And that's why I couldn't see it anymore. It might've been deleted, which really sucks because I would have loved to read what she wrote to me just for my sake again and to share. But I do remember her taking the time to write me, and I was, I remember, like, how does this lady know how to use Facebook? Like, my grandma doesn't even know how to use the flip phone. Like, she still has the phone hanging on the wall with the cord. (laughs) And this lady's messaging me on Facebook. And I think that's why I remember her so vividly. And, which I thought was awesome. I hope I can keep up with the times when I get that old god willing but geez and so funny story about that so she was sweet she wrote me you know when I was out there taking on the world and I think I remember telling me that her husband was in the military and all this stuff but it's starting to come back now that I'm speaking it out loud and I watched her funeral service because it was in Georgia and I no longer lived in that state and I was watching it on Facebook Live, and Mr. Jimmy, I told you I call everyone Mr. and Mrs. Doesn't matter if they're a doctor or a preacher. Mr. Jimmy, he is a doctor, too. He's got a doctorate degree. But anyway, it's not important. The point is, he told a story of how her, she was on Facebook. Well, let me start here. She learned, she wanted to be able to communicate with people because she wasn't able to go to church or something of that nature. She just, long story short, she's getting older. She can't get out as much. She wants to communicate. She learns how to use Facebook. I don't know who taught her this or even how to use a computer. I think she might have even taken a computer course. I'd have to re-listen to the funeral service to be 100% on that. But either way, she learned how to use Facebook. She messaged me. She messaged everybody. She learned how to use the email, too. She used to email. Apparently, she used to email Preacher Jimmy, like, every week. <laughs> Maybe every other day. I don't know. A lot. And she, uh, so there is this story about how her back and her neck was hurting. And he starts off telling about her back and her neck. And in my head, I'm like, oh, I know where this is, this is going. She's going to talk. It's just like us. You know, we're, staring, we're looking at our phone. Our neck hurts. Or we're sitting at a desk all day. Our back hurts. But no, it's much worse than that. Somehow her screen got flipped sideways. So I don't know if you guys know this, but there's some special keys that you can hit on the keyboard that involve the arrow button. I don't know if it's alt control and the arrow or what it is or shift or F something, F9, whatever. But there's some kind of keys that got hit. And so her screen literally flipped in the computer. So instead of reading from left to right, she was 
in order to read a sentence, she was reading it from the bottom to the top of the computer screen. So her head was at a 90-degree angle trying to read her Facebook messages, emails, whatever she was looking at. And, you know, I wanted the number that I'm thinking of was like six hours that she did this. I don't know. It might not have been that long. But either way, long enough for a woman probably in her 80s at this moment in time to not feel so good after that. It did get fixed. I just thought that was a very funny story because I remember as a kid in school doing that to someone would go around like in computer class and flip the screen and then you like, I don't know how to put it back. And, and just the thought that she was so dedicated to communicating with the world and not being crippled to her age she just is like, you know what, I'm just going to turn my head sideways and I'm going to read this and I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing and then eventually I'm going to get this figured out. And I think someone came and flipped the screen back and put it back to normal for her. But that was a really funny story that I wanted to share because it's hilarious. And now I want to share what Preacher Jimmy said at her funeral about her just so you get a deeper insight of the type of person that she was. Because if anyone knew her, it was definitely him. J.T. Jordan found a virtuous woman. Her price was far above rubies. J.T.'s heart safely trusted in her. He never had a need of spoil although she did spoil him. She did him good and not evil all the days of her life. She sought wool and flax, and she worked willingly with her hands. She was like the merchant ships. She brought her food from afar. She would rise also while it was yet night and gave food for her household, even a portion for her grandchildren. She considered a field bought it, and with the fruit of her hands, she planted a vineyard. She girded her loins with strength and strengthened her arms. She perceived that her merchandise was good. Her candle never went out at night. She laid her hands to the spindle. Her hands held the distaff. She stretched out her hand to the poor. Yes, she reached forth her hands to the needy. She was never afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household were clothed with scarlet. She made herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing was silk and purple. J.T. was known in the gates where he sat among the elders of the land. She made fine linen and sold it, delivered girdles to the merchants. Strength and honor were her clothing. Her time to rejoice has come. She opened her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue was the law of kindness. She looked well to the ways of her household. She never ate the bread of idleness. Her children, even today, rise up and call her blessed. 
JT also, he praised her. Many daughters have done virtuously. But you, QT, you exceed them all. Favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain, although she did have both of those. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Willie Pearl Boggs Joyner. Billy Boggs Joyner was born on October the 17th, 1922. She died on August the 15th. She was 97 years old. When she died, she was our oldest member at Palmetto Baptist Church. As has already been mentioned, she's the last surviving child of 12 to the late Thacker Jackson and Mary Ori Boggs. Ten years ago, she was preceded in death by her husband, JT. She's survived by her daughters, Lynn Joyner Steed and her husband, Matt, Susan Joyner Wills, her husband, David, her son, John Joyner, his wife, Wanda, grandchildren, Jason Joyner, Jared Joyner, and his wife, Amanda, Zachary Steed, Kaylin Steed, Carrie Lynn Norris, great-grandchildren, Landon Joyner, Alexis Joyner, Xander Halpin, and Sidney Norris. In 2005, Billy Joyner took a computer class. She was 81 years old when she enrolled in that computer class. And after she took that class, she got an email account. It was Boggs, which was her maiden name, Joyner, her married name, at AOL.com. And she started sending me emails. Most of them at the beginning, I didn't keep. But as she began to send more, and she sent a lot more, I put together a separate file in my email account that called, called the Boggs Joyner file. Sometime later, she exchanged the Boggs Joyner file, replaced it with the Great Granny J at BellSouth.net file, email. But in my Boggs Joyner file, it started in late 2005 or mid-2005 and went through 2017. Sent me over 2,000, somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500 emails. Some of them confidential, and I'll never tell anybody what they were. But others, she allowed me, gave me permission to share. And I want to share some of those. I think it's better at her service to let her speak than for me to speak. In one of those emails, there was an interview that we conducted with her back in 2012. Actually, our student ministry interviewed her. She was 90 at the time. And here's what they asked her. They said, how old are you? She said, I was 90 years old on October the 17th, 2012. Where are you from? I was born in Atlanta in an area that is now considered downtown Atlanta. It was a street off of Lucky Street near the Coca-Cola Company when it was on North Avenue. My daddy was killed by a policeman's son hauling bootleg liquor in a hit-and-run accident. After that, my mother 
after a very long time, received a very small settlement from his father. She made a down payment on a house in College Park. Mother and daddy had 12 children. I was the eighth child. I was 11 years old when my daddy passed away. I met JT while I was still in high school. She went to Richardson High School in College Park. We dated for over two years before he was drafted for World War II in 1942. He went to Camp Wheeler for basic training, joined the paratroopers, and was at Fort Benning. While he was at Fort Benning, he finally arranged things so that we could be married in Manchester, Georgia, where my sister and her husband lived. She said, that's another story. He got one 10-day leave before going to Louisiana for maneuvers. Then his company went to Nebraska for further maneuvers. From there, he was shipped to the West Coast and sent overseas, and we didn't see each other again for 33 months when the war was over. After he was discharged, we lived with my mother in College Park until after our first child, Johnny, was born. While we lived there, he helped his sister's husband build a garage apartment for us to live in. We also purchased five acres in Red Oak with money that I had saved from what we had sent, from what he had sent home and from my allotment. And we built a house in Red Oak. And we lived there until 1963. How did you become a Christian? When we lived in Atlanta, we went to Baptist Tabernacle on Lucky Street. She said, now it's a nightclub. Mother would get us ready every Sunday, and all of us, children, walked to the Baptist Tabernacle. We never had a car. I have no idea how far this was that we walked. She had to get us all ready for church, so she didn't get to go to church. The last house we lived in before moving to College Park was on Ponce de Leon Place near Georgia Tech. And we walked from there to the church, which was even further away from the tabernacle. When we moved to College Park, Mother saw that we went to church, and we went to the First Baptist Church, another good distance to walk. I gave my life to Jesus, and I was baptized at the Baptist Tabernacle. But I feel it was my mother who saw that we went to church, raised us in Christian love that really made me to become a Christian. Also, I have continued in church all my life with every move. I've kept close to my Savior. I don't feel it was an instant thing, but one that just kept growing on me. My mother, four feet, eight inches tall, was the giant influence on my life. Do you have a favorite scripture verse? Well, I have two. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Well, do you have any last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the students? Well, I know they have lots of words of wisdom from their parents, and they have many words from you as their student pastor and the church leaders, but I would just urge them to continue their life in church wherever they go. Whether moving from one area to another, going to college, just continue to worship God in his church. This is where they will learn more about God and his love and will enjoy the fellowship with their friends there. I am blessed so much with the many friends at Palmetto Baptist Church. And I know God had a plan for me to live out my life in this wonderful, caring, loving church. QT was, and I called her QT, because when I came here you had JT and you had Billy. And I thought it would be cute to say JT and QTs. 
So that's what I called her. And QT was an encourager. Sunday, January the 23rd, 2005, 11.07 p.m. I got an email from QT. She says, you know, I told you I felt God had a reason to send you to Palmetto. I never had a pastor that I felt I could talk with, let alone email some of the things I do. I'm so glad God sent you to our church. Love you, Billy. She was an encourager. But she was also very blunt and honest. Uh, just because she loved you didn't mean she wouldn't tell you off. She would. February, February the 17th, 2005, 5.08 p.m. I was going to call you today about the meeting last night. I don't know what meeting that was. And then I learned about our Zach had had a four-wheel accident and had to stay off the phone to get reports. He's still at the hospital in x-ray, but Lynn said she thought it was a broken collarbone. She said he was in a lot of pain. Oh, how I wish parents wouldn't buy those things for their children. Kaylin had the first accident but didn't get hurt. It cost $800 to get the four-wheeler repaired. Now Zach is hurt and the four-wheeler is wrecked. Lynn said she didn't know if Matt would get it fixed again or not. Those things scare me. And I told Lynn when they got it for Kaylin for Christmas it was a bad thing to do. But they're raising their children. What's a mama to do? Monday, April the 5th, 2005, 11.41 p.m. I didn't particularly like what you said about chiropractors at prayer meeting Wednesday night. I don't remember what I said, but evidently it must not have, didn't suit her well. She says, I know it, it, it is passing on remarks or feelings from other people. I go to Dr. XXX. She said, I'm just setting the record straight. You know me in my big mouth, she said. She loved PBC, February the 18th. 2005, 5.25 p.m. We started going to Palmetto Baptist in 1980 during the time we were building our home there. Johnny and his family were involved in Palmetto Baptist at the time, so that was where we chose to go. We were some of those people who came to church on Sunday and never got involved in many activities. We were campers, traveled a lot, square dancers, which took up a lot of our time. Later, we bought a place at Hartwell where we would go spend most weekends. But we did join the Vera Smith Sunday School class and especially enjoyed Vera's teaching. This was when Miss Vera Smith was alive. We were not involved in what was going on in the church, and we didn't know some of the so-called gossip that gets around. I feel that what got us involved in church, like we should have been, was when Chris Gould came and started having the mission trips. We got to know people in our church like we had never known them before. And I'm so thankful that JT went that first time. And he came back home excited, telling me I had to go next year. And sure enough, we went every year un until, uh, until about two years ago when I was having some health problems. And then we went last year, and I think JT realized it wouldn't be fair for him to go anymore. Although a lot of our friends told us they didn't care if we worked or not. They just wanted us there. They don't know how good that made us feel. We miss those mission trips, and we feel this is a wonderful opportunity to not only help others, but to get better acquainted with fellow church members, learn to love them very much. On these trips, you see the best in your friends. You also see the worst, but the best. You also get to see them at their worst, she said, when they get up in the morning, hair not in place, not a morning person, but putting up with the aggravation from the pranks of some of the others, like my husband. There's always good fun. Here I am writing a book again, but I'm glad you explained a little more what to look for. Love you much, Billy, February the 18th, 2005. 
She had a sense of humor. February the 18th, 2005, 10.30 p.m., we were in search for a uh, senior adult minister. One of the people we interviewed, we, he later uh, went somewhere else, and so we didn't get to get him here, was Sammy Orr, who had been the pastor here years before. And she says to me in 2000, uh, 2005, February the 18th, 10.30, she says, signing off again from QT, she says, oh, yes, one more thing. I haven't thought about it, but if we call Sammy... We would have Jimmy O and Sammy O. Wow. Don't know if we can handle two oars, but maybe that would even up the boat, she said. I'm gone this time, QT, 10.30 p.m. Hmm. Saturday, February the 26, 2005, JT and I went to a 75th birthday party for one of our square dance friends tonight. That was the reason we were not at the chili cook-off. We had a real nice time, saw many of our dancing friends we hadn't seen in a long time. It was good to get together with those who were there. When leaving, they didn't have porch lights on, and I couldn't see the steps, as I don't see well at night. JT had a hold of me, but somehow I missed one of the steps, slipped out of his hands, and I fell, hitting on my right side. I felt my head hit on something that felt like a rock, have a big knot on my head, a swelling on my right arm just below the elbow, and generally aching over, and then in all caps, and no, I didn't have anything to drink. In fact, they just had tea and soft drinks. Sunday, January the 26th, 2005, 9.58 p.m. I'm just going to read what she told me, okay? Thought you might get a kick out of this QT. Said, Jacob, age 22, Rebecca, age 89, living in Florida, all excited about their decision to get married. A 92-year-old and an 89-year-old get married. They go for a stroll to discuss the wedding, and on the way, they pass a drugstore. Jacob suggests they go in, and Jacob addresses the man behind the counter. Are you the owner of this drugstore? The pharmacist answers, yes. Well, we're about to get married. Do you sell heart medication? He says, of course we do. Well, how about medication for circulation? He says, all kinds. Well, how about medication for rheumatism and scoliosis? Definitely we do. Well, how about Viagra? Of course we do. Medicine for memory problems, arthritis, jaundice. Yes, a large variety. The works, I'm telling you. What about vitamins, sleeping pills, Geritol, and antidotes for Parkinson's disease? Absolutely. Well, do you sell wheelchairs and walkers? I'm telling you, we sell all of that, all speeds and sizes. Why? Well, we'd like to use this store for our bridal registry. Well, 
long ago there was a man who died here, was buried here, and three days later he rose from the dead, and I can't take that chance. Billy Jordan. She had a strong relationship with the Lord. She says, April the 3rd, 2005, 4.41 p.m., I do feel like God is trying to reach me about something. He is hot on my trail. I think he's telling me I've not been doing all the things I should have done. That's, that's amazing to hear from her. I know I must have guilt feelings. One of my biggest concerns is for my children. She said, they're good children. They love us. They help us so much. She said that in so many emails. She said, I want to come in sometime and talk with you about some things. I've been putting it off. Just like I've been putting off coming down to the front to ask for prayers during the service. She says, I remember the Sunday I told you, I can't understand why people are not walking the aisles at church. And then she said, I got home and I said to myself, what am I thinking? Why am I not walking the aisle? There I am judging somebody else. April the 4th. 2005, 11.41 p.m. I know I've given my life to God and believe with all my heart, but I know I haven't done all the things that he's told me to do in the Bible. I still believe he'll let me in. But I don't want people to think you reach a point in life when you feel satisfied that you're doing right. I'd been feeling I was ready, but now I feel God is telling me I failed in some of his ways. You see what you and God are doing to people. Maybe it, will, maybe it will start them to thinking. Keep up the good work. Love you, Billy. On Sunday, April the 3rd, 2005, 6.39 p.m., after a long email about Miss Etta Taylor being diagnosed with Alzheimer's, she finally said, it's, time, it's, it's church time and I got to go. I'll finish this later. Later that night after church, 10.14 p.m., she said, JT yelled that it was time to go to church, so I had to end my other email. Now I'm going to finish it. She went on to talk about some things that meant to her. She says, you know, we're getting old, and I know these old bodies are wearing down, but God has been so good to us for us to be able to continue what to do. Take care of your body. That's another sermon. He tells us to do this. We just don't listen. She says, thank you for listening. And then... She loved JT. I mean, their, their love story is, is a made-for-movie. She says, everything was special about the way we met, dated, later married. I met JT. His friends were scouting for girls at the skating rink in College Park. Not finding any, they decided to leave. As they were driving down the road, a kid on roller skates came out of nowhere, hit their car knocking out the headlight on the, on the one side. So you can tell this is her version coming from JT. The skater hit their car. They didn't hit the skater. The boys were skating down a small hill because of the thrill it gave them. Lou, Lou jumped out, that's her brother, and started skating away yelling, don't tell mama, don't tell mama. They had to chase him down so they could take him home and explain everything. The next day, mother had all of us out front raking leaves when JT and his friends came by to check on my brother. Later that day, one of the young men called and asked me for a date for the next night. And after checking with Mother, she said it was okay. He came to pick me up for the date, and JT was with him. And JT was without a date. We drove around looking for a date for JT, not finding any available girls. 
I had a date with both of them, quite an expensive evening, 25 cents each for the movie, and then we went to the varsity, another 15 cents, and a pack of gum that cost five cents. But my next date was with J.T. Joyner. We dated two and a half years before J.T. was drafted to the Army. We tried to get married several times, but the Army schedule and paperwork kept interfering. Finally, we had everything we needed, set the date. We got married on September the 26th, 1942 at the preacher's house. I had taken a train to Manchester, Georgia, where my sister Kitty lived. She'd helped us get the marriage license because we couldn't get together long enough to get one. JT was to come to Manchester, but he couldn't even get a pass. No amount of pleading with his lieutenant did any good. Some of his buddies told him about a drain pipe that ran from the runway under Fort Benning's airfield to civilian territory, a drain pipe. So JT went AWOL, ran through a large sewer pipe at Fort Benning, had to crawl through the drain pipe, took him two hours to hitch a ride from there to Manchester. He finally got to the house around 10.30, smelling like a sewer, by then the preacher had gone to bed, the witnesses had left, and it was pouring down rain, but we were able to get the preacher out of bed, got some family members gathered again, and we got married. After a honeymoon that was measured in hours, JT went back to Fort Benning and snuck back on the post. No one even knew he had caught AWOL. We had one 10-day pass and a few weekends from September to March when he was sent to Louisiana for maneuvers. We wrote many letters to each other during the war. Our marriage lasted 67 years, and God has blessed us with so much. September the 26th, 2009, one year before, well, just a few months before JT died. Do you know it was 67 years ago today? that I went to Manchester to meet JT, she said. JT died on February the 12th, 2020, and on Friday, February the 19th. The email says, well, it will soon be a week that my sweetheart left me. I miss him so much. Sunday, February the 21st, 2010, two days after that at 10.30 p.m., my question to God is, Will I know my husband, mother, father, and other family members when I get there? Maybe you can help me there. I know he gives us a new body. Will this new body of mine know my sweet husband? I've, and I said, I believe you will know JT when you get there. Also, I believe JT will know you. I said, he'll probably know you as Sweetie Pie. Love you, Jimmy O. Monday, February the 22nd, 8.56 a.m. I sure hope you're right. He can call me anything and I'd come running. Saturday, March 13th, 2010. It's been a month today since I lost my sweetheart here on earth. He's gone to be with the Lord. How can something be so sad and yet still be so great? I know I'm beginning to miss him more each day. I can tell the difference. One month seems like a lifetime in one way and then seems like maybe a short time. It's just hard to realize how quickly time passes. May 31st, 2010. Talk to God about my sweetie. I ask him how he's doing. To tell him how much I miss him and to take care of him until I get there to take over the job. Do you really think we will know each other in heaven? I hope we do. But if we don't, I know God will prepare some way we won't realize this. I hope I get to see him. I sure do miss him and would like to have hugs and kisses from him again. Love you, Billy. 
I responded, QT, I believe we'll know each other in heaven. I believe JT will know you. I said, you'll know JT. And I said, when I get there, I'll probably know you as QT. She sends me back. My name in heaven will not be QT. It will be Angel Billy. Love you, Angel Billy. And then the final email I got from her, Thursday, March the 3rd, 23rd, 2017, 2.35 p.m. I had sent out an email about the death of one of our church members. She said, that's such heartbreaking news. Special prayers for his family, the church family, and all others. She said, I love them so much. She said, special thanks to you for all you do for the families and us church members. She says, please forgive my typing. And then she said, the only thing in 12 years and over 2,000 emails that wasn't true. I'm not too good at anything anymore. That's the only thing she said in 12 years that wasn't true. Because she was always good at everything. Today we say so long to a woman who's been seriously one of the best friends I have ever one of the best cheerleaders this church has ever had. I'm telling you, if I had a house full of Billy Joiners, you could turn Fulton, Coweta, and Fayette counties, all of them to Christians, because she would win the world. I love you, QT. Don't you be sending me any emails from heaven, because that's going to scare the life out of me. I love it. What a legacy. I'm sorry about the audio. I actually was not planning on recording that much, but I just couldn't stop listening myself. And I think it's important that the world gets some perspective from Miss Billy Joyner. And it definitely made me laugh. I was holding my tongue when I was listening to it, trying not to mess the audio up. But, I mean, it's, that's a lot. It's a long life. And given the current times, even though someone could listen to this, you know, years from now, months from now, days from now, whenever it gets published, you know what? She was okay. She went through life like everybody else, but she left a legacy behind. And even with COVID and elections and people getting treated unfairly in all areas, doesn't matter which side you're on, just the world is just a broken place, but we're going to get through it. 
husband was drafted. 33 months. They're separated. And a huge war is going on at that. But, God had a purpose and God had a plan. And I am one of the many, many, many people in the 97 years that Miss Billy Joyner was alive, impacted. And so, with that, I just want everyone to take a moment and reflect on your legacy and who you want to be and what you want to leave behind because you will leave something behind. And I believe we're going to something new, but I believe that it's also important to reflect and to push yourself to be the person you want to be. And when you need help, remember Miss Billy's favorite Bible verses, John 3.16 and Jeremiah 29.11. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, and forever and for whoever believes in him should have everlasting life. That verse is a verse of hope and a future and a peace. And the second verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That is also a scripture of hope. So whatever you're going through, if you've lost a loved one, if you're looking to pursue anything, just remember that you're a human and we as humans are called to love one another. And we're also called to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our souls, and with all our minds. And with Spot's head shake, I think uh, I'm going to be done. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. And thank you so much for listening. And I really hope that you enjoy this podcast and that it's making a difference in your life.